Hello and welcome to We Buy Go Horror Reviews with a Yorkshire flavour. Whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> <laughs> means we review horror movies. And if you love talking about horror movies too, then you're in the right place. We're not interested in boring you with deep technical bollocks or anything like that. We just like talking about movies, a couple of mates that like talking horror films. And if you like doing that, then come talk to us too. I'm Damien. And I am Tris. How are you doing, bud? I'm all right, thanks. Another year older. Yep, me as well. Literally ticked over to 40. I'm very depressed about it, so let, let's move on swiftly on, on from that. I don't know about 40, mate. You've been 40 for the past five years. Fuck knows how old you really are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably like 55 or something like that. That's how, much, that's how old I feel after watching this franchise for as long as we've literally watched it. I, I felt like we actually started this when I was like 12. I think you're being very harsh on a very well-meaning body of films. Um, but today, uh, yes, we are talking Halloween, which won't surprise you if you've been with us for any length of time. And we decided to launch our entire show with the Halloween franchise. We're uh, coming to right. the end, though. Yeah, it probably wasn't, closer. Probably wasn't closer. the smartest move in retrospect, was it? I mean, it was meant to be a Halloween special, but we're now three days out from Christmas 2021. <laughs> Year of our Lord. Yeah, I, look, I, I'm wearing my Christmas jumper again. Look, I quite like this one. It's Darth Vader and everything. This is this is my jolly face. Look at that. Beautiful. Look at that. I'm still sticking with Myers until we've done with Halloween. I'm, I'm kind of wishing for Christmas. And the fact that, you know, we're doing one of these a week, it still means we've got one to go. That's going to take us, like, literally very, very close to the new year as well. So, um, yeah, we're uh, we're dragging this one out a little bit. It is. I mean, 11 Deep, still one more to go. They're never going to stop making these movies. I mean, they're, they're doing the final one of the trilogy next year in Halloween yeah, Ends. Yeah, ha- Halloween Ends. Will it end, though? That's that's the question. I bet I bet it doesn't. I mean, they've tried to kill Myers for good, what, at least three times now? Halloween 2, Resurrection, ha- Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. They, they just, they're just not going to quit with these things. While ever, these people like me, Handing over money to go see it in the cinema and buy Italian Blu-ray box sets. That's it. Yeah, it's my fault. Bring on the Myers. I don't mind. They're all right. Some of them. Some of them. Not the last one we did. Um, but yeah, I, I love horror. I love the Halloween movies. But there's just a fucking a lot of them. So, 2018's Halloween. There's three movies in this franchise just called Halloween. It's not the most imaginative, is it? You've got the original, you've got Rob Zombie's Halloween, and now you've got Halloween, which is meant to be Halloween 2, because it's a direct sequel to the original. So that means yeah. in John Carpenter and David Gordon Green's mind, this the first one's Halloween, and the second one is also called Halloween. Let's just forget about all the shit we've watched in between. This is how we should have done it. We literally should have gone Halloween 1, the original waited 40 years and gone boom here we go let's have yeah. this one we should have yeah, just missed should. out this whole like what, what is it 10 weeks in between 10 yeah, weeks then, that we spent watching these movies we should have just literally stopped it after the first one jumped to this one and gone shortened version this is what you need to know yeah but then we would have never seen tom atkins fucking everyone in halloween 3 so worth <laughs> it in my opinion that's actually a good point we would never ever have seen buster rhymes kung fu kicking Michael Myers, just because he watched Kung Fu movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. To be um, fair, I could have lived without that. Yeah, me too. It's just the fucking <laughs> reboots. I mean, this was rebooted with Rob Zombie. It's, he did Halloween 2 as well, which could have had the tagline, The Return of Sherry Moon Zombie. 
it, it really could. Robert Zombie's Halloween 2 was so bad that yet again, it, it, it was, killed but... the franchise. For nine years this time, and Dimen so much of it, Dimension lost the rights to Halloween, which was then picked up, or I think defaulted back to Miramax, who then got Blumhouse involved, which was probably the best thing you could have hoped yeah. for as a fan. And now Blumhouse have got a pretty much shaped the last 10 years or, or so of my media content in terms of horror. I'm going to throw a few examples out there for you now. Insidious, Sinister, Split, The Purge series, Get Out. Like, even Paranormal Activity on a budget of $15,000 brought in nearly $200 million off a of fucking Paranormal Activity. They've got this low-budget but high quality writing and just really good movies. Like I'm a huge, huge uh, mark for, for Blumhouse. Yeah. I mean, this one actually, you know, you see it right at the start, don't you? The universal credits come up and mm -hmm. th there's, there's a certain quality that goes with that. You know, you the certain intros that we see certain film production companies and stuff like that, where we look at it and we go, yeah, this is going to be good. And when you see universal pop up, it's a hell of a lot better than what you've seen in some of the previous movies where you see the, you know, like, straight-to-video kind of stuff coming on. Yeah. It works mean, a bit shit. But when you see that that whole universal, the whole world there, the little stars searching around it, yeah, it's good. It's good. I think Universal are more just the parent company or did some of the distribution. Yeah, this was very much yeah. a Miramax and Blumhouse movie. Um, Which is both yeah, names in themselves. Big names, big names. Yeah, yeah. and Universal as well, yeah. Um, but I think, historically... Halloween has suffered from the very opposite of what Blumhouse and Miramax achieve in, in a lot of their stuff, which is Halloween has suffered with low to medium budgets, but not necessarily quality writing, especially in the Cult of Thorn trilogy, which... <laughs> well, we've said it a lot, mind. haven't we, about the quality of yeah. writing in this, and that goes for the last one as well, and we've said that throughout the various different attempts at rebooting this whole franchise, the quality of writing has been pretty poor um, especially, especially about Cult of Thorn, I mean, it's just wave after wave of bullshit for a while I and mean, with his incest pagan cults mute psychic <laughs> children it's like your average evening in the in the tris household but um... <laughs> <laughs> sorry i've had half a beer it makes me larry hey do you know what it's like a party in my house every night <laughs> definitely a barnsley party um we've all got six fingers and six toes but that being said, I do take some sort of perverse joy in knowing that even Halloween 6 is going to look like the fucking Shawshank Redemption compared to some of the movies I'm going to put you through following this franchise. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, I know you I know you're a massive fan of not just the B movies but also the like fucking ZZ movies as well. There there is nothing in horror you will not watch and literally wank over. You literally you, you absorb yourself in horror at any kind whatever it is you'll watch it it's usually entertaining in some way um but anyway on with the movie because we've got to get to the end of this franchise um I'm as quickly as possible we've still got another week to go yeah so blumhouse got hold of it and decided to really go back to its roots john carpenter didn't like what rob zombie did with michael in the other movies so he got Actually, involved neither did we <laughs> I like the first one. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, the first, we, we agree. The first one was pretty good, but then he resulted in form and fucked it all up. Yeah, he really fucking did. Um, and John Carpenter wanted to make a sequel that would 
beat the shit out of zombies movies and be the scariest one of the lot, which is which is a tough task in my opinion because as much as I hated Halloween 2, as we said, the first one's all right and it was a scary movie. I thought Rob Zombie's Halloween 1, it had enough gore in it to paper over the cracks of the bad characterization. Yeah. Um, I know even some of, some of us might even say it was better than the original, Tris. Yeah, I like the backstory. I, I like, the, and we say this every single time, you know, my whole thing is I like the realism of stuff. Mm. And the fact that they actually was able to actually explain the back character and stuff like that, it gave some substance to it for me. So th- there were a lot of positives in that movie. If we look at the second one, that all went out the fucking window. It, it not only out the window, it fucking jumped out and then threw itself out again. <laughs> it, it, it was fucking awful. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Be, be that as it may, um, getting John Carpenter back into the Halloween fold was a really good move. Even if you don't yeah. like the original Halloween, he's made way but be- way better horror movies like The Thing, Going to the Mouth of Madness, or God knows how many others, Prince of Darkness. And not just John Carpenter comes back, but Jamie Lee Curtis. You know, I, I was drinking through the... I was just drinking Jamie Lee Curtis in through the majority of this movie, just thinking, holy fuck, a sympathetic protagonist at at last somebody i can root for in a movie about halloween like it's been it's been what what we are now halloween 11 i think it's been probably h2o the last time i genuinely felt some connection and that was to jamie lee curtis again to be fair so yeah and it, even even then in h2o it was a little bit of a struggle wasn't it the whole rewriting and everything else you know although you felt for a she, she, familiar character and stuff like that but yeah, she's definitely getting John Carpenter back on board. Massive, genius masterstroke to do that. I mean, he is the godfather of Halloween at the end of the day. You know, you look at that original movie back in 1978. You know, he literally was a one-man band in that, wasn't he? He did everything from the score, which we still recognise today throughout mm. all of the movies. He also you know, produced it, directed, did so much in that. So getting him back on board, I think, was massive masterstroke in this one. Yeah, and as well as... OG um, John John Carpenter, OG Laurie Strode. We also get OG Myers himself, Nick Castle. Oh yes, indeed. Doesn't do a lot. It doesn't do a lot in this movie. It's it's very. It's only like a cameo. He dresses up as Myers for the shot through the window towards the end of the movie. The majority of it is done by um, oh, what's his name? James James Jude Courtney. And we talked about how body language is so important to Michael Myers, especially we talked about it a lot during four, five and six, because they were really poor, especially in four with the shit mask and the shit, shit way that he moved and all that. But James Jude Courtney to a T shows how Michael Myers should be played. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. As soon as I actually saw Nick Castle as well, was back on board with this and that, that kind of, yeah, it was one of those things where I thought, you know what, we're going back to basics with this. But I totally agree. The way that Myers is portrayed in this movie is going back to basics. It's everything you want in Michael Myers, the way that he moves, the way that he's portrayed. Definitely a massive positive. Yeah. And when this movie came out, I was 100% certain I was going to love this movie. I thought John Carpenter's back, Jamie Lee Curtis, Nick Castle, new score from John Carpenter as well. Yeah. David Gordon Green directing, which he, he didn't, he's not really done much in horror, but his movies kind of have a way of 
having really good stories and telling a story really well and having really good pacing. All things that this movie benefits from, in my opinion. But, I, you know, when this was announced and when it was, you know, ready to, to hit theatres, I, I, I was well up for this movie. Um, and having Laurie back in the mix and obviously her age, I knew that would factor in and we would be dealing with the fallout from the first movie. And it does all that. It, it does a lot. It does a lot, this movie, to, to kind of bring fans back, especially after, you know, the, the mess that the Rob Zombie films left it in. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I, I genuinely do feel that this is the film that we, you know, if you'd have seen the original one and there was just something that was actually to come out in 2018, this would have been the Halloween 2 that we all sort of wanted, we all expected, instead of the bastardization that has actually come between that time and now. If you could actually, Halloween 1, the original, this one as a sequel, it would have been perfect, the perfect time in that timeline. And the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis is actually back in this one, and I have to admit, it's kind of a bit of a shock seeing her as old as she actually is in this, because I'm used to seeing her in things like A Fish Called Wanda, you know, True Lies, you know, the stuff where she was at the height of her career. So to actually see her in this, old, it makes me feel old as well. Yeah, yeah, I bet it does, yeah. And the movie starts, so we'll go, well, hang on. Public service announcement coming out, Damo. Do the honours. I'm not used to it. So much pressure. What do I do? <laughs> right, guys, we're going to spoil this fucking movie for you. If you've not seen Halloween 2018, go watch it. I don't know where. I don't know when. I don't know how. I've got it on Blu-ray. Tris probably watched it through some sort of nefarious way. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. I actually paid for this on Prime Video. Shit. Prime Video. Well played. Good for you. Yep. I've got it on Blu-ray. Fully legal. Fully fine, all good. All right. Um, so it opens with the traditional orange and black credits. And when I was in the cinema watching this, I squealed like a little girl because I was like, they made a Halloween <laughs> movie for me, not a Sherry Moon zombie in fucking sight. <laughs> they've made this. It's like they've thought, what does Damien want from this movie? And they've straight away, orange and black credits. I'm absolutely on board. <sighs> fucking hell. I'd have absolutely pissed myself if she'd have had a cameo in this film. You know, just like fucking Sherry Moon Zombie, like just on a white horse, just wandering around the back. Just in the background, like galloping through like Gandalf the White. Yeah, exactly. I'd have fucking I'd have left I'd have left the cinema. <laughs> but, but but these these opening credits, it's very familiar, isn't it? We, but that pumpkin. It's very much that I love the reverse cinematography on this one where they sort of reinflate it. You know, it comes back to life. It's the original Halloween pumpkin right from the first one. It's literally like going right back to the basics and right back to the start. I love it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And after, well, sort of the intro, we start with a couple of English dickweeds, dingbats, whatever (laughs) you want to call them. Yeah, they don't make us look good. No, they really don't. That's got they're not from Yorkshire. I don't know where they're from. They're definitely from down south somewhere, aren't they? Posh, posh country. <laughs> posh country. Anywhere south of she- South Probably. Chesterfield, shall we say. Yeah. Um, and they are podcasters or investigative journalists, as she says later. Aaron and Dana. Dana. That's not a British name. There's very yeah. few British British women called Dana. But anyway, <laughs> they have come to the hospital 
to speak to Michael Myers because he's been transferred tomorrow. So they get there and they meet his doctor, Dr. Sartain. The new Loomis. Yeah, it's a bit on the nose, that, in it? Because even when, even when Laurie meets him later on in the movie, she's like, you're the new Loomis. I was like, come on, movie. Are you even trying? <laughs> it's so on the fucking <laughs> nose. But um, yeah, so he meets him. They have a little bit of a chitty chatty chew. And then we say, we want to go and meet him. So if we walk out into the mental area, exercise yard, where we're all chained with these little squares. Do you know what? I quite like that. I quite like that point. They were oh, all yeah. very COVID secure, weren't they? They very all got COVID their own little secure. squares, their own little two meter social distance inside of things. You know, yeah, that's how that's how <laughs> people very, very need with to, the times. Yeah, that's how people should social distance in COVID. <laughs> Just get a ch- chained up to the fucking squares. Um, but yeah, so he goes and speaks to Michael. This Aaron, he's such a dick. Well, he's not a dick, but he's like he's he's a very typical dopey English bloke, isn't he? he that's his typecast in this movie yeah it's very much an english prick yeah maybe yeah toffee nose knob but um he goes there and he talks and then he digs the mask out of his bag and shows it to michael and he's like i borrowed this from the da or something like how many police departments are in the habit of just giving out major pieces of evidence even in trials where it's (laughs) finished but it's like it's evidence from a serial killer are we just going to pass it out to a podcaster is is that a thing? I'm pretty sure it's not. You know, like, hey, OJ Simpson, here's the murder weapon. Here you go. Exactly. It's like, even if the case is you don't give serial killer trophies to horror fanatics. I mean, I'd, I'd love it if someone gave me some horror merch, like maybe Hannibal Lecter's muzzle or something like that. Yeah, you sell it on the internet, on eBay, you it's know. It's enough make about it, my sex life. Rather though. nice. Coin. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go there. Don't knock it till you've tried it. Anyway, I'd I'd want it just so I could get you to shut the fuck up, to be fair. Um, but yeah, these two dingbats that give British people a bad name, they've done, you know, they're shaking masks at mental patients. They've finished with all that. And they decide they need to go and pester a trauma victim instead because these guys are professional arseholes. Sorry, <laughs> investigative journalists. And can we talk about Laurie Strode for a bit? Talk to me about Laurie Strode and her transformation. Yeah, so obviously we're 40 years on now. So, you know, very much older than what we've seen her before. Uh, Certainly in the first one where she was, you know, young babysitter type age. And obviously a lot older than what we've seen in, you know, we'll not even repeat the monstrosity of what happened previously to Laurie Stroud. Resurrection. Yeah, we're not even going to talk about that. It doesn't filter into this movie. Fair, fair shit by the way um but yeah she's she's very much a little bit cray cray shall we say um totally. she she's literally spent 40 years in her own sort of head in a bubble fearing that michael is going to come back and he's going to get her we, we literally see her bit of a fortress really you know the the, the english assholes as as we will now call them yeah. literally rock up to her well kind of little house really uh, and it's pretty much a fortress you know armored gates yeah lots of cameras you know the security and everything else and we get that first idea that things aren't quite right with with laurie she's she's a little bit she, she's she's a bit mad she and is yeah yeah she, she plays the grandma which to be honest struggle to get get, get down that she's playing a grandma in this yeah, um yeah. and we, we we sort of learn 
as the movie goes on that you know she wasn't that kind maybe to her her daughter initially um although she will learn it was good parenting eventually in the end yeah in the end it, it was good parenting but yeah she she's sort of imparted a lot of her troubles onto her her daughter but she seems to have a very good relationship with her granddaughter not so much with her daughter yeah I love how Laurie Strode is in this movie. I think after seeing how bad the character was done in the Rob Zombie movies, it feels oh. really good to care about Laurie Strode again. Also, she she just fucking kicks ass in this movie. She, she is. She's badass. a gun, gun tote in survivalist that spent the last 40 years or so training herself and her daughter for Michael Myers' eventual return. Oh, and this, this is a Laurie Strode. Yeah, I can get behind this Laurie Strode. And totally. I don't know about you, but I also think she's become a bit of a surrogate Loomis in this movie. She's kind of a crazy yeah. lone wolf obsessed <laughs> with ending Michael Myers. And I think the film benefits from having a Loomis type character back in it. It's something that was I thought was really lacking from H2O and, and well, all the movies since H2O. Even, yeah. even Rob Zombie had Loomis. He was he was very different as a character. And it's uh you like I say, yeah, it was very much missed in the other movies. So the two podcasters, um God, podcasters are douchebags. I mean, the others, not us, we're fucking great. But yeah, we're awesome. Podcasts, not them. Other podcasts. All wankers. By the way, Aaron, who I believe was in Game of Thrones. Have you ever seen it? I've seen all of the Game of Thrones. Didn't recognise him from that, to be fair. I've, I, I watched until they killed Sean Bean. You don't fucking kill Sean Bean. Well, you do. Sure, he dies in everything, <laughs> Sean Bean. But I stopped watching after Sean Bean died, which was, I think, season two. Season um, one. End of season one. Yeah, you're right. Season one, yeah. Didn't even make it to season two. <laughs> he was so good in. Anyway, I digress. Aaron thinks that Laurie's a nutcase, but wants her to go talk to Michael, which is also fucking stupid. So she kicks him out and picks up what is probably the easiest three grand of her entire life. Um, <laughs> it just gives her three grand. You're not for, kidding. I know, well, it's crazy. Well, to be fair, she, he didn't really want to sort of like give it a did he? He was like, we don't no. pay. Journalists don't pay for stories, but... Yeah, the, the douchebag that was sat in the passenger seat that was literally like, yeah, how's three grand sound to talk to us? Sounds yeah, pretty let's let you in. good. Now, nah, fuck it. off. That's it, yeah. <laughs> uh, we also find out that Laurie, in fact, lost custody of her daughter years back. So yeah, she's an action hero, but she's not really dealing with the trauma from the first movie in the most positive of ways. And then we get to meet the family. So we meet the daughter, Karen, played by Judy Greer who was Ant-Man's ex-wife in the Ant-Man movies. So there's your connection to earlier Halloween movies via Paul Rudd, sexiest man alive, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, she's also been in a hell of a lot of other movies as well, and she's quite she? famous. Yeah, she, she was in Big Bang Theory as well, I believe, uh, no, for one episode. She also played the mum in the remake of Jurassic Park. So is it Jurassic World? Oh, did she? Was no, she Jurassic yeah, World? she, she was the, the mum of the two kids that went uh, out to... Jurassic World. She, she, she didn't have a big role in it, did she? A, then no, very very small role. But uh, yeah, she's she's been in a lot of big movies. I know of her. I just don't think I've seen much of her other than other than this, really. And yeah, well, I've definitely seen Jurassic World, and I do recall her now. You mentioned, but she was barely in it, was she? Yeah, um, literally about five minutes at the start, at and the then start, a yeah, bit at the end when they were. She's just there for a paycheck, isn't she? She's like, yeah, I'm here. You you've got you've got me for. The next six hours, using here's a million payment. quid. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> we also meet Karen's daughter, Alison, uh, Laurie's granddaughter, and Ray, 
who's Karen's husband and is the most dopiest, unnecessary character <laughs> to ever grace his screen. All I'm glad his, you've said that. All of his dialogue makes no fucking sense. Whatsoever. I'll give you an example of the dialogue of this character. Go on. I got peanut butter on my penis. <laughs> I shit you not. When he's making a sandwich at the beginning, he's like, oh, I got peanut butter on my penis. When I got... When I heard it in the cinema, I was like, I must have misheard it. I, I, I can't have heard it right. And then when I got the Blu-ray, I, I, I heard it again. I was like, I'm sure he said penis. And then I was like... So I checked it back. I spun it back. I put the subtitles on. And it is indeed correct. I got peanut butter on yeah. my penis. I mean, why? Is, is he whipping it out whilst he's making a sandwich in front of his family? That's what he used to spread, isn't it? <laughs> Mine had crushed for bread. <laughs> Always flat. Um, but yeah, he's a bit of a wet, isn't he? You know, the, the whole persona about it, even the image of him, you know, the the, the balding, dweebly sort of guy. It, it, it's setting up for the character trait that he is. Yeah, and nobody gives a fuck about his death later on. Spoilers, he fucking ah. dies. But it matters not. Nobody wept for poor old Ray Nelson. No, it was, actually quite, it was actually quite nice. It was like, <laughs> finally, one less dweeb in the world. May you rest in peace. I mean, the guy never did anything wrong. He tried to embarrass his daughter a few times, but yeah. He, was he, got, just, he, he was... also got Billy Big Bollocks as well. I can protect my family. No, yeah. you, you can't. He really can't. <laughs> But all this talk of penis and peanut butter gets put to one side and we do see that there's some tension between Karen and Alison. Alison wants grandma in the life. Karen's naturally a little bit apprehensive, seeing as though she had such a fucked up upbringing, which is you know, really totally justified. But then it's time to meet the murder fodder for the movie and we get to meet Vicky, Alison's friend, and Dave, her boyfriend, who instantly becomes a little bit of a dick saying that Myers killing people isn't the worst thing to ever happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually know that character from Nashville, uh, the series, the, the country music series. And I always remember him from that. And he was a bit of, bit of a dick in that as well. He was kind of the sort of the, the under character that sort of came good. You were rooting for him. Never quite, never quite made it. Um, but yeah, yeah. He's got that look You're about right. him, hasn't he? And he yeah, explodes a jackalope, like with a firecracker within the first few minutes. But he's ah, not I as... think we're talking about somebody else. Yeah, but I know what you mean. Yeah, the, the... You're talking about Oscar, aren't you? I am, yeah. Yeah, Oscar. Yeah, but, uh, we'll get yeah. to Oscar. I, I know the one you mean, the, the, the weed smoking. Yeah, the Dave. Weed. Yeah. The fucking, um, what's his name looking dickhead from, uh, it looks like him out of British Bake Off. I forgot what his <laughs> name is. Which series? Go on. Channel Four one, do you know he's in the um, he's in a he's in a comedy show. It's a big Mighty Boosh. He's in Mighty Boosh. Oh, you mean No Fielding? No Fielding. I I don't. Yeah, I don't really watch a lot of comedy or no. Great British Break Off no. or anything. Like that. No, my wife is going to kill me for sort of agreeing with you on this one. He but... looks like a young No Fielding. <laughs> he, he does a little bit, uh, but yeah. I, to be fair, he puts a firecracker in a in a pumpkin. Tell me that's not cool. Oh yeah, infinitely. Even though he's made out to be a bit of a dick, I still root for him because I've just seen Rob Zombie's <laughs> Halloween too. He's infinitely more likable than anyone in that entire movie, including Laurie Strode. He's a bit of a dope. Like we can tell that these are the murder victims. You know, we oh, at this stage right in our education around these movies, we can tell a Halloween murder victim probably a mile off at this stage. And we also yeah. meet boyfriend Cameron and his dweeb partner, Oscar. That 
That's the dude. Oscar's the dude. So who is Oscar? What is he in? He's in Nashville. That's the Nashville. one. That's the she's thing I know him from. Is it Connie Britton? She's is that her name? Yes. Yeah. She, she's yeah, an well, American he, horror story. She's awesome in it. Yeah. He actually becomes so Oscar, uh, the guy that plays him, actually becomes a bit of a love interest of Connie Britton's daughter <laughs> in in Nashville, and he, he's kind of the guy that you're rooting for. He's he's a bit of a an outcast, a, a bit of a guy that's a bit of a follower, and he eventually gets with her. But it all ends in tears. Ooh-hoo. Spoilers for fucking Nashville. If yeah. you guys ever want to see it, <laughs> I don't think I ever will. But yeah, Oscar. It, I feel like Oscar's that guy. Everyone's had. Everyone had a friend like Oscar at school. It was kind of a bit dweeby, but he was always part of a gang and like was really funny for some reason. A bit like he is in this, although a bit yeah. later on we find out he's not. Um, <laughs> Also, what do you think about writing the brother-sister angle out of Halloween? It's really, really hard to get away from because it's been rammed down our necks as we've been watching this franchise throughout. And we've obviously watched it in, in order. Mm-hmm. It's been there throughout since Halloween 2, uh, essentially the original Halloween 2. I'm not sure it fits comfortable, but it does make for a better movie. Uh, I guess by by taking that away, but right. it doesn't really explain why Michael is actually going after Laurie. Oh, you need to see Halloween Kills, mate. <laughs> you see, that's that's what I haven't seen yet. So there's a lot of unanswered questions in this one. If you take away all of the history that we know yeah. as to why he's actually going after Laurie and why she's so fucking back crap paranoid about him coming after her. Whether you like it or not is a different story, but there's definitely an explanation in the uh, in the next movie. So yeah, I I'm really glad they wrote it out because I I thought it was shit. Like but the we, entire we both premise. said that didn't yeah, we? We didn't like Halloween it initially. Too. Yeah, yeah, because in the original movies, is the shape of fear. It's it's the the scary thing about Halloween one is a, you know a chance encounter which is all that it was going back to the first one where Laurie Strode just posted the keys through the old Myers place and he just happened yeah. to see her. That's the scariness that he can be anywhere, anytime, getting anybody. As soon yeah, as you... Um, yeah, the boogeyman. As soon as you bring in the brother-sister connection, then everybody else watching it is like, well, I'm not fucking Strode, I'm safe. As long as I stay away from Haddonfield, this imaginary yeah. town, I don't need to fear about this. And I think writing it out is John Carpenter taking some element of control back yeah, to the series. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and it, it's definitely a good move. Um, like I said, it's it's hard to understand that if you've actually watched everything chronologically, as a lot of this is to forget about everything that's happened in, you know, sort of like the nine movies in between yeah. what this one is setting. But if you do take it independently, it's brilliantly that, that they've actually removed that because like we said initially, all those fucking so many weeks ago, we... We didn't like it. The fact that they literally added this family connection into something that wasn't there before. So I I think it's a good move to remove it. I agree. And so Alison seems to have the better relationship with Laurie out of the two of them. They seem close. I'm not sure how or even why. Presumably her mum must have told her about like the intense survivalist upbringing that she had and the generational trauma, like how Laurie's trauma affects Karen and then affects her relationship with her daughter. What, What did you think about that? Well, Laurie's badass. She's got guns. I'm down with that. She's the cool grandma. He's gone. He's back. 
go, go, go. I was letting my cat out. <laughs> Say it, Patrol. <laughs> so, yeah, what, what did you think about the trauma between them? Yeah, so it, it was a little bit... It was quite intense. Uh, I, I think that the whole thing, particularly between the daughter uh, and Laurie, but I, I quite like the relationship between the granddaughter and the grandma. You know, what's not to love? She likes guns. She's badass. She's got a hidden bunker under a kitchen sideboard. I'm down with that. Discovered. Yeah, true. There's also a lot of scenes spliced into the movie where we see Carol. Karen is a bit of a badass at heart as well. Like she was those uh, scenes of her when she was a kid shooting the gun and all that sort of stuff. You see that she was trained in all this, learned how to shoot guns really early, but she's trying to distance herself from it. And she wants to see, you know, the good, the the good in the world and all that. And it's a theme that runs throughout this movie. And I think it ties directly into making Michael scarier again. He's, he's like, he's more like a supernatural force in this movie, like a force of fucking nature. He's basically still haunting the family figuratively all these years until he breaks out, in which case he literally fucking haunts them with a knife. um, (laughs) He has taken a knife to a gunfight in this movie. Yeah, that's a good point. Plainly simple. She's got so many firearms. She may as well be a white supremacist. Yeah. I've got thoughts on that, which I will definitely go into, but um, it's not all trauma though, because she sees the granddaughter outside. She sees Alison outside and just gives her the fucking three grand. I can quite honestly say trauma never looks so good. <laughs> yeah, you're right on that one. I was never the recipient of a huge sum of money from my grandparents, just out of the blue like that. I and don't she think says, I've ever owned three grand in my life. That's a, yeah. And she says no, like, but then begrudgingly accepts it before telling her to get over a trauma of being hunted to, ne- to near death by Michael Myers. And I was like... <laughs> Like, she's not a dislikable character, but, like, shut up, bitch. She was nearly killed, and she's just given you three grand. Let her talk about Myers if she wants to. And um, I don't know if I mentioned it yet, but I fucking love Laurie Strode in this movie. She's battling demons, but she's, like, so fucking badass, like an 80s action hero, gun-toting. Absolutely. Yeah, slightly insane, but just cool as fuck. Like, in the original series, she escapes with, like, a combination of luck and survival instinct and Donald Pleasant shooting him six times. But this time you feel like she's like more than a match for Michael Myers. Yeah. She, she is so badass. You're right. It's very much eighties action hero at its best. You know, yeah. I love her. She, she is the best character in this movie by far. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that it, you know, it's Jamie Lee Curtis. She's playing Laurie Strode. You know, she's, she's back. That's always good. Yeah, but yeah, she, she's, just, yeah. she's just great in this. The way that th- there's depth in this character and they build that through the movie, which they don't in a lot of the other sort of, you know, episodes within this this franchise. But for this one, we, we've got an understanding from that original as to why she would be so fucked up now and a reason as to why she would be like she is. Yeah, she'd exactly. She'd be protective, she'd be defensive. You know, she's... A little bit back crap crazy but she's also saying at the same time and i love that mix of the insanity and you know the actual sanity that she has she, she's actually very switched on to everything that's happened as we see throughout the movie you know at, at the point where and spoiler alert again if we've not got to that point yet but where the prison van is being escorted 
Michael's been transferred from one facility to another. She knows she's very self-aware that that is a point where she needs to she needs to get eyes on that. She she's just badass. I love her. She's great. She is, yeah. And but yeah, as you say, if the unspeakable happens and they decide to transfer Michael Myers on a Halloween night, and we get some recordings of Doctor Loomis saying he should have been put to death, which is pretty cool. It's a nice touch. And the Doctor, Doctor Sarde, Sardes or whatever his name was, it? is it Zardane? There is it, Sardane. We'll just call him Copy Loomis. Yeah, there we go. And he starts taking a really strong interest in, in Michael and insists that he gets on the bus with him. And he's one of Loomis's pupils, apparently, and has made his, his life's work studying Michael. And they try and, like I say, we do try and position him as, as the new Loomis. But what these movies want us to believe is that psychiatric hospitals transfer patients not just in the dead of night, but on anniversaries <laughs> of their crimes. Like, there's a lot of things this movie does do well. It looks great. It's spooky. It's a lot better than what come before in a lot of different ways. But the logic still takes a bit of a pounding, really, doesn't it? it? It does, absolutely. And that was one of the, the main points I made in my notes, that there's a lot of fucking stupidity in this that makes it so unbelievable that that takes away from all of the great things that they do do well in this movie. I mean, who the fuck would transfer a Halloween babysitter killer on Halloween in a bus with other prisoners, which are all, let's be honest, the other prisoners are all just a bit crazy, you know, they're just murder fodder, aren't they? They're just there to be bodies well, when Michael yeah, escapes. Yeah, that, and also they're, they're also there to be the, the stupidity characters as well when they're actually found chasing butterflies in a, in a market. I found it very creepy, actually. I was very creeped out. I'm, I get creeped out by, not by people with mental disorders, but like Hollywood versions of mental institutions really creep me out. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen Shutter Island with Leonardo DiCaprio and Mark Ruffalo. But when when they a rock long up, time ago, oh, we saw it when it came out. It's it's one of my all time favorite movies. And when they get to the uh, to the insane asylum, and it's a very exaggerated, and it's based in like the fifties or sixties or something like that. But it really it spooks me out. That to be fair, so I I really like the uh, the inmates escaping type motif, and I think it works really well. But it's yeah, he spends a lot of time building Laurie up as this crazy lady, crazy lady she's sat watching Michael and then she starts screaming in the car and then she breaks into her granddaughter's dinner where she's with Cameron and her parents. She starts crying and stealing Ray's wine. No one fucking cares. It's Ray steal his wine. No one cares. And (laughs) for all this, all this intense and purpose, she, she is the crazy lady and they all kind of put up with her until she's not because Michael escapes kind of necessary, although we don't see it. Because, you know, it's off screen, but it's pretty brutal and a lot of people die. There's a lot of post-death gore, kind of like yeah. Halloween, the original, kind of like H2O as well, where we got a lot of really good gore, but it was a lot of post-death. We see it through a young kid um, and his dad who were driving down and the kid just wants to dance. Let the fucking kid dance if he wants to. The dad wants to drag him off into the woods to kill things. No, nobody wants that. Let him go get his Billy Elliot on if he wants to. Yeah, why not? Why not Billy Elliot? But there is a lot of links to H2O with this movie as well, uh, particularly around, around sort of Laurie. And we see her when she actually goes in and when she, she breaks into that 
you know, sort of like little party thing that's going on that family event. And we'd, we'd also seen it when she was actually watching as well, where she literally downs the like miniature of alcohol. Do we even get them anymore? The little miniatures of like vodka or whatever. But then she also downs the wine as well. And she, she like reaches for it. And we yeah, see yeah, some yeah. similarities to H2O where she's actually, she's using that as a coping mechanism for what she's actually going through. And while it's not a massive theme throughout this movie, like it was in H2O, there's little throwbacks to it where she just gets to a point where she's like, I need a fucking drink. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. But yeah, so the kid and the dad find the bus that's being turned over on the highway. They, the kid goes looking for his dad and accidentally shoots Dr. Sartain whilst looking for his dad who's presumably fucking dead. And then the kid gets a jump scare and starts running back to the car. And then Michael kills a kid on screen <laughs> smashing his head into a wind you know it's not even a quick cutaway death he repeatedly beats a kid what the kids what 10 11 maybe 12 he's very young and uh, yeah I, I wasn't i wasn't actually sure if this was a a, a young girl or a, a young boy but maybe this enters this enters new territory yeah it was brutal before kids have always been off limits and we see that later in you know so in the movie where michael you think because of what's happened in this scene is going to kill a baby later on but it it, it doesn't happen but this whole killing scene of the kid where he repeatedly smashes the head against the window there's not really any gore there's nothing you know really vulgar about it just the fact that he's actually killing the kid is i think that's vulgar enough you know yeah that 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 is that is enough but i'm cool with it like i'm I'm not going to say I liked it because killing a kid is obviously never nice, but it's a horror movie and this is stepping up the horror. But what I would say is I'm not sure I liked it, but I was definitely disturbed by it to an extent. It, it resonated with me as in like, yeah, this, oh, this fucking movie means business. Like it's going yeah, there. Absolutely. It pushes the boundaries of what we've not seen pushed before. And it goes into a whole new territory of making Michael more believable as a monster. I think it's John Carpenter saying fuck you to Rob Zombie because I know he didn't like what Zombie did with Michael as I said earlier we know that and he wanted to make this the scariest of them all while still keeping the movie true to its roots so I think he wanted to make Michael more mysterious but still step up the kills and the gore and I think killing the kid on on screen definitely does that it certainly grabbed my attention so I wanted my thing to do really just do that. Um, but it, it worked well. Yeah. Um, so Michael fucks off, still able to drive, which is... Uh, <laughs> so it's not all smooth sailing logic-wise in this movie, but we meet Will Patton, who is Deputy Frank Hawkins, an old cop who was apparently there on the night. I mean, I don't remember him. Maybe I missed it or maybe if you just yeah. about it. Yeah, I think it was a bit rewrote. I actually... Initially, when that was said in the movie, I was like... I do not recognize this at all. I don't recognize the name. I don't recognize the character. Did a bit of wiki. And yeah, it is pretty much a a rewrite. Yeah. And we also meet Sheriff Barker, the most redundant, pointless sheriff ever to (laughs) exist. He exists merely to comment on situations and do zero work whatsoever. Um, He rocks up in a massive cowboy hat, laughs about canceling Halloween, and then pretty much just fucks off with odd appearances here and there. 
And then we also get the obligatory graveyard scene with Judith Meyer's grave, which I think only serves to remind us that the douchey podcasters are actually still around doing stuff, but not for much longer, because as luck would have it, completely by chance, Michael pulls into a gas station where Aaron and, and Dana happen to be stopping for snacks. Dana goes for a shit, happens to all of us, and Michael's back to being a toilet deviant and he attacks her in there. She's a bit smaller. <laughs> bit of a than throwback. Bit of a she throwback. Is, she's a bit smaller than Ken Foray uh, in Rob Zombie's movie, who also tied on the shit. But Aaron, <laughs> Aaron busts in after seeing the guy at the cash register, like dead as shit and missing like all of his teeth and like all his jaws, like completely fucked up, really gnarly. And also the mechanic that's lying in a pool of his own blood and stripped out of his boiler suit always with the fucking boiler suit michael myers I yeah now there's a bit it. of a subtle a bit of a subtle thing there because that whole michael killing the guy in the boiler suit sort of happened in the background it, it wasn't something that was was sort of seen and i literally saw what came after and i was like how the fuck did he get the boiler suit and had to re-watch it so actually see it was sort of in the window behind where you actually saw him killing the guy in the boiler yeah. suit it was there but you just you blink and you miss it but that's a good thing i think that's what John Carpenter gets right in a lot of his movies. Yeah. Like I think with a lot of um, remakes and reboots, there's so much emphasis on characters picking up um, key items that are big in the franchise. So like with this, with Rob Zombie's reboot, the boiler suit and the mask, there's so much grandeur and dedication to those scenes that it almost loses a bit. Like the the whole fight with Ken Ferrey. Yeah, I loved seeing Ken Ferrey in a film again. But, you know, he was on the toilet. It's like it was it, it, it sort of strained, you know, credulousness and yeah. it was a bit silly. And then it also happens in like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre when they do the remake for 2003 remake. Or is it the prequel, um, the beginning that come out a couple of years later? Like there's so much like when the chainsaw is seen for the first time, it's almost like, look, it's a chainsaw. You know, this is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then he picks it up off the table and it's some really basic scene. And it doesn't mean that much. I think John Carpenter knows Michael Myers wears a boiler suit. Michael Myers wears a mask. It doesn't really matter about having a big deal about him picking up his boiler suit. You know he's going to be wearing it because the film says he has to. So just having it in the background shows that shit's happening and we can progress the story forward. And when Aaron finds him, it's probably a bit more of an effect because you know you you know Michael's killed him and stripped him for his boiler suit. But you don't need to you don't need to see it really. It's still just as haunting the way it is. Um, what is haunting is when Myers is in the toilet and Dana's hiding in the cubicle, and he reaches his hand over and drops the teeth that he's just pulled from the cashier's yeah. mouth over the door i was like oh that's fucking gross like <laughs> rob zombie wouldn't have done that um that is too classy for rob zombie he'd have even he'd have had michael bust in and just suplex her through the floor or he'd have had sherry moon zombie just appeared for no reason to open it but um aaron gets his head fucking pummeled into the wall yeah. what the fuck happened with his arms he was clearly still conscious he could still still use his arms because he literally, towards the end of his, you know, his time on Earth, he decided he was finally going to fight back. It didn't last very long, literally like two seconds. But he was like, you know what? My arms don't work. I'm just going to let you smash my head into the cubicle of the shitter time and time again. And it's going to cause some effect. He didn't look dead to me, though. Like, no. 
Michael leaves him crumpled in the corner, bleeding, but he doesn't look dead. Like he, I don't think he. I don't think he was dead, was he? Obviously, he was bleeding, but you could still see his eyes moving, and I think yeah. it was almost like he's near to death, but he can't do fuck all about what's going to happen next. I mean, he's not in the second movie. He's not in Kills. So I wonder if they bring him back for ends. I, I don't know. I mean, Dana's definitely dead because she picks her up by the throat and chokes yeah, her. Classic, her, which, classic yeah, kill. Very, very classic uh, Maya's death. It's but what, how good... stupid is she? She's like, oh, yeah, shit. You can't get through this lock. I'll not just stay there. I'll climb under the cubicle where we can open the door that is just opened a few seconds later. Yeah. This is that fight or flight. Horror movie logic, in I mean, but <laughs> wouldn't you know, they just happen to be carrying the Michael Myers mask in the boot of their car. So Michael gets his mask back. And from here, this is where the movie really starts for me. Laurie yeah, finds out Michael has escaped and turns into fucking Rambo, establishing a ver- the very useful secret hiding place under the kitchen sideboard. Also breaking into a daughter's house with a gun, which doesn't really go down all that well. And they just kick her out. I mean, I, I love it when they get home and Laurie jumps out and just goes, bang, and uh, points the gun. <laughs> like, it's a serious moment, but it was funny as fuck. I half expected yeah, Laurie to be like, gotcha, um, which she basically does by calling her daughter out saying, you've got really shit security. Yeah, literally no security whatsoever. And I, I kind of get why her daughter's wanting to, you know, sort of escape that because of all the trauma that she's been put through. And, you know, she doesn't want to be this paranoid person she's even shacked up with the most unlikely person to protect her ever in the world um but yeah it's it's a a bit of a funny scene but i think one thing that come through this movie and i do not get very political very often there i am many things but a politician is not one of them is this movie right wing in its content because i don't know the, the the kind of characters that are liberal like judy greer and her husband they're made out to be like so, so flaky and they're talking about how there's so much good in the world and everything is beautiful and they're kind of made out to be a little bit dumb and they've got laurie yeah. that's obsessed with security and she's paranoid and she's like telling the snowflake daughter that she needs to wake up and you know her, her all of the dialogue and answers are pretty much out of the nra handbook or the republicans handbook and she's got an armory of guns and she's proved right in the movie, like the liberals or at least like the perceived liberal ideology needs saving by that right right wing mentality of guns. And I mean, they even call her daughter Karen. I mean, come on, in, in this day and age, you know what that name represents. I mean, no offense to any real life Karens out there. I'm sure you're lovely, but I'm not trying to get political. But the, this this movie is mainly about trauma for me. And it's something that sticks out. Are they saying that loading up on guns and being paranoid about security and all that is... Are they saying that the world's a nightmare and that Fox News is right? I could just imagine Donald Trump just watching this and jacking off saying, I knew it, I, fuck, I fucking knew it. I can't do a good Donald Trump. Where's Mike Bolt, Michael Baldwin when you need him? Shoot, Take your hat off, show me ginger hair. That's it, yeah. Should, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I knew it, these fucking snowflakes. Um, but yeah, it, I don't know if you got that, but I, I, I kind of got subtle hints of right-wing ideology in this movie. I, I didn't actually pick up on it, but now you actually say it, I can actually see it clear as day. 
Um, it, it wasn't something I picked up on when I watched it, and I literally watched it like an hour ago. Um, oh, so, dick. <laughs> yeah, I literally watched it right at the last minute. I wanted it to be fresh in my mind. Uh, maybe I was, you know, sort of like looking at it from the entertainment value or whatever. I didn't pick it up originally, but now you mention it, yeah, you're right. Just, There's, just a little, <laughs> just, just, just a smidge, just a hint, just of a it. smidge of uh, fascist sub subtext <laughs> in, but. Um, but yeah, anyway, Michael. I, I, I maybe I did pick up on it subconsciously. I mentioned it earlier, didn't I? About she got more weapons than a white supremacist. Maybe yeah, I did exactly. pick up on it. I yeah, just didn't maybe. even notice that I, you know that it was the political message in there. But you're right. Yeah, there's a hell of a lot of it in there now. That you think about it. They've got you subliminally. Um, anyway, Michael's suited and booted now, and he gets on the killing spree, which, in my opinion, hands down the best of all the Halloween movies. He wanders into people's houses, just killing the shit out of people. He hammers that woman uh, off screen, but the sound effects that come from it are like, ah, that's fucking gross. <laughs> fucking gross. He gets the kitchen knife. A lot of nostalgia thrown at you in this scene. And the, I love the kill. This is my favorite kill of the entire franchise. I'm naming it right now. The woman looking out the window, he walks from behind, <laughs> like the shape, grabs her head, bang, straight onto the sideboard, a knife, bang, straight through the back of the neck, pops out here. Severs the spinal cord, straight through. Straight it through is literally, neck. that Ooh. is literally like a military kill right there. Bang. It, yeah, it's one of Very my favourite ones as well. Very I was watching gnarly. it with my wife and we both went, ooh, yeah. that's brutal. And yeah, good kill, good kill. So good. And I don't know about you, but it felt like a Michael Myers kill. You know, one of the, even though we both enjoyed yeah. Zombies Halloween 1, a lot of the kills felt like really OTT, which I enjoyed, but it didn't feel like Michael Myers a whole lot. This felt like, if this felt like a boogeyman kill, like so calculated. Yeah, and they're ve very silent. basic as well. And we yeah. see that as well with some of the other kills, you know, even when he actually goes on a little bit later to actually, you know, attack Laurie, we can see the logic in it where he lifts her off the ground in, in that. And, and we do see a, another kill where he literally nails the guy to the wall. Fucking beautiful. Um, but yes, yeah, it's very simplistic. It's back to basics. And it's like you said, it's very much Michael Myers. Something I really loved about this film. Yeah. Let me ask you, when you were a teenager, were there many Halloween school discos going on? Um, not like this one. No, me either. I wonder if what, it's what, what it actually it must be because uh, what it meant to me Halloween disco and we did have them but it was more like a group of school friends go after school and there'd be like a an hour disco and you'd dance to black lace and stuff like that that, that was it there was no costumes really? or anything like that involved. It, it was yeah for us it was a group of friends getting together after school smoke weed drink alcohol and wear black lace that was pretty much for us but, <laughs> pretty much teenage life <laughs> Teenage life, basically, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I wonder if it's a Haddonfield thing. <laughs> Alison and Cameron are dressed as Bonnie and Clyde, but gender reversed because, of course, they are because it's two thousand eighteen. Non-binary. Great. But it turns out Cameron is a bit of a dick because Alison catches him dipping into some strange which is an awful term, but my missus said it the other day <laughs> as like a joke and I've not been able to get it out of my head since. But it's not the, that's not the worst thing he does because when Alison calls him out for being a dick, he gets super fucked off and throws a phone into like porridge. Is it porridge? Is it like cake mix or porridge or something? It's something that shouldn't be at a party. 
Yeah. yeah I'm going to say it's cake mixture. It looks gross. But yeah, he throws... Like, if somebody had thrown my phone into that, I'd have fucking ended him. Like, it, she takes it <laughs> remarkably well. Like, I'd have folded, like, my life, gone, no phone, I'm done. Not something I'm proud to admit, but everything... <laughs> that remotely resembles my life is tied directly to my phone. How, how on earth is she going to update TikTok? It had been dressed. Yeah. He'd have been, he was dressed correctly for if it had been me. Cause I'd have fucking chopped his bollocks off. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, with Cameron now gone, Oscar thinks since you're not fucking Cameron now, I've got a penis and that must mean she wants to fuck me. She, like, she, she does not. He has badly misjudged the situation. He thinks that no dick means there is requirement for new dick. And she very quickly corrects him on this. <laughs> he goes from comic relief to borderline predator in the space of 30 seconds. And we know what that means in horror movies. And I do think the dead, whole scene... Dead, dead. Yeah, I think the whole scene with Oscar, like when they've hopped that fence as a shortcut, it's a little bit rapey at first but then when she like shouts him down and leaves oscar alone like oscar sees michael in the corner of a yard but he thinks it's like the owner of the house and he's like i'm sorry i was just trying to take a shortcut and kiss this pretty girl and he's really <laughs> fucking pathetic but, um, i was right it was cameron that was the guy from from nashville oscar's the guy that ended it when he was lifted up there he goes so you've got three people wrong. You thought yeah, first. Yeah, I, I have. Totally. You thought it was... I don't do, uh, Nashville. I don't do names. You thought Nashville was Dave, and now you've said it's Oscar, but no, really, it's Cameron. No, it's <laughs> the guy that was the, it was the guy that was dressed as Bonnie and Clyde. It was Bonnie and Clyde, was it? It's yeah. Right, so it's, it's him. But yeah, yeah, no, this is Oscar I'm talking about. So he's like, he's really pathetic, but Michael catches up with him, and then Alison hears him screaming and goes back thinking, I better check on this dickhead. And he's like being dropped on like the spikes yeah. on the fence. Beautifully really. impaled in perfect hanging fashion. It's a pretty brutal death to be fair. Again, we don't see it. It's post-death post gore done really well. Speaking of deaths, Vicky and Dave don't last long. The, the stoners and the babysitter. The little kid that she's babysitting, Julian. Awesome. One of what the best characters in the he's movie. He's amazing. He did. He cracked me up so much. Like the back and forth <laughs> with Vic. Right. See the difference between the Rob Zombie one and this one. The characters in the Rob Zombie movie are so repulsive that I just didn't care who died. But in this one, we don't know a whole lot about Vicky. She's barely in it, but just this little bit of back and forth between like a charismatic kid and her just bantering. It's like a really sweet moment and it genuinely yeah. makes you care. I, I was so invested in this scene because I knew Michael you know, had already killed a kid so I wasn't sure yeah. that that was off the table. And also, like, she's checking the room for monsters and we all know she's going to die because she's a character in a horror movie. But when, you know, when he jumps out and gets her, like, I was genuinely, you know, as a as a yeah. horror fan, I was caught out by it. I wasn't saying I was scared, but I was then genuinely surprised. Like, characterization, learn what it is, Rob Zombie. Yeah, I mean, this little dude, he's, he's awesome. And he's so funny. He's so cheeky. Even to the point where he's running down, you know, he runs down and he runs past Dave. And he's like, go check it out. You're going to die, Dave. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. brilliant. He's so cheeky. He's a breath of fresh air in a horror movie. And 
for that comedy character to come from somebody so young as well, yeah. even to the point where he knew what they were talking about when she's like the Alakazam. Like, I know, yeah. yeah. You're, just, you're just doing weed. Like, you're just smoke some fucking weed. <laughs> awesome character. I love this little kid. He, he's yeah. literally a breath of fresh air. Yeah, he is. But yeah, Dave's popped round with some Alakazam and he hears Vicky being attacked upstairs. So he gets this huge fucking kitchen knife and spoil, and he heads up there to save the day. Spoiler alert. He does not save a day. <laughs> he, he doesn't. He, he ends up fucking pinned to the wall in a very classic Michael Myers kill. Yeah, and Vicky is being hidden under the ghost sheet in a little th- throwback to the original there. But then yeah. when uh, Will Patton pulls it off, like covered in blood, like it'd be some really nice nods, but it's very like fresh and updated because the gore's really heavy on there. But yeah. Julian lives, so it's not all bad. But this brings me on to my next point. Prior to his death, I need to ask you this, Tris. Being a motorcycle enthusiast that you are, did Dave starting up another man's bike make you want to put the Myers mask on and finish the job yourself? Because isn't that like a big crime in motorbike culture? Not so much him starting it up because he, he kind of, he, you know, you could tell he appreciated the noise. But the fact that he dropped it, death. Death yeah. becomes him very, very quickly. That would have been my bike. I'd, I'd have fucking done the job myself. <laughs> I did. I did wonder that. I've, I put it down as a note because, but yeah. Um. Look, so Laurie shows up wide-eyed, gun cocked, nearly kills Will Patton after he's found the dead bodies, and she's got a lot of Loomis about her here because she starts ordering the cops around and the sheriff. Absolutely, it's, it's yeah, brilliant. Just, it also. Um, I've had too many beers. Um, <laughs> it's Christmas. Fuck this shit, man. Um, it's Halloween. I fucking need beer to get through this. Um, so it's around now that Dr. Zardane starts acting really sketchy. And he's a little bit obsessed with Laurie. And he's ordering Will Patton not to kill Myers. That is property of the state. I'm not sure that's how imprisonment works. I'm not sure that once <laughs> you become a psychiatric patient, that um, you become property of the state. I still think you retain your individual right. Um but this is polar opposite to Loomis, isn't it? Like who wanted yeah, to kill him. Yeah, totally. Michael. Yeah, totally. And and the way that this character goes, I don't like it. This is one of the things that I took a little bit of an issue with because he's, you know, he's, he's a psychiatric doctor at the end of the day. He's the guy that's positioned throughout this whole thing as the new Loomis. But all of a sudden he turns very anti-Loomis and literally turns into yeah. a fucking psychotic weirdo see i clocked him really early when i watched this movie because well not not when i first saw him at the opening credits but as soon as i saw laurie and we spent a bit of time with laurie i was like well no laurie is the new loomis she's you know despite her saying to him you're the new loomis she's the crazy lone wolf that's that's her job now and i knew they wouldn't have two i knew i thought he was a bit of a red herring to be fair um yeah there there was something not right about him yeah, right exactly. Yeah, it was a bit but too you just obsessed. Couldn't, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't quite put my finger on on what it was, and I didn't actually see it coming with oh, what good. actually happens with this with this character. So it's a bit of a good. surprise. Nice. So Laurie and her trusty sidekicks, you know, Haddonfield PD, uh, they grab Karen and Mr. Peanut Butter Penis, and it sinks in that she was right. Also, Allison is missing, so they send the police out to go find her. Shame that her phone got dunked in porridge and she no longer has it because we can't get through <laughs> to her. And from there, it is a bit of cat and mouse. Alison comes face to face with Michael in a really 
cool scene. The way Michael moves, we've said it already, but I'm going to say it again. The way Michael moves is so fucking good. When he comes around that corner, she sees Oscar. Are you sure you know what I mean when I say Oscar? I do. Well, she sees Oscar draped (laughs) on these bars, bleeding to shit. And then she's like there. So she doesn't really react too much to that. But then Michael comes around the corner and he looks so cool. And then she screams and runs off. And it's... Again, yeah, why do they always do that? Why do they always scream when they're running away? Oh, shit, there's a murderer. Ah! Then they can follow him. Having never why. been, yeah, I mean, to be fair, she, he was behind a locked fence, but it is Michael Myers, I suppose. He's still got those teleportation skills, hasn't he? <laughs> um, and Karen then becomes a bit of a Karen um, until Laurie tells her to shut the fuck up because she's like there kicking off at the cops. Like, do you, can I please speak to your manager? Go get my daughter. <laughs> and then Laurie's like, Karen, shut, shut up. up, Karen. <sighs> Will Patton manages to find Allison and also runs Michael Myers. So he goes two for two, which is a decent night for, for old, yep. uh, old Will Patton. And then it's time for the heel to. I see in my notes I've put it's time for the heel turn that we all saw coming, except you, by the sounds I, I, of it. I genuinely didn't. I, I guess subconsciously I did because I didn't actually. I didn't like the guy. I did not like the character. There was something about him right from the start that I did not get along with. But I was genuinely shocked. Was it his moustache? Yeah, fear that. <laughs> don't I don't trust. I, yeah, I don't trust a man with a pulled moustache. It's just it's like them one. It's like them one one eight guys. You know, with the moustache, yeah. the shorts, except and the best and except possible. my patron say of of Tom Atkins. There there is a moustache you can trust. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no I, I didn't see it didn't see it coming uh, I probably should have done but the fact that when he, he literally he, it's the way that he does it he whips out this little thing out of his pocket you think what the I fuck's know. that but and he then established like that at the beginning didn't he? Yeah. yeah it's like it's what the fuck I've never seen an extendable scalpel before that's that's quite cool it's like it's an additional yeah. implement but it's concealed. I bet it's a Loomis I bet it's a Loomis tool I bet I bet Loomis passed that down to him yeah that, that was a patent to design passed from yeah. psychiatrist to psychiatrist Dr. Sardine I'll keep wanting to call him Sard. Dr. Sardine I'm going to call him Dr. Sardine from now on because it, it flows a little bit better but yeah he always <laughs> looked like a sketchy bastard to me and it didn't surprise me when he stabbed Will Patton in the neck to save Michael. Not not one bit. It did surprise me that he bends down and puts the mask on because he looks like such a fucking dingus. When he... <laughs> like a, a midget Michael Myers with his arm in a sling. Little you know, sardine man. Yeah. Off he goes. Do you know who he looks like? He looks like Cobblepot. You know, Danny DeVito in Batman 2. <laughs> you know, the, the Michael Keaton Batman from the 90s he looks just like um cobblepot the penguin i fucking laughed even in the cinema i saw i fucking laughed so much at that um and especially when he's like dragging michael to the car because he's like so under under tooled for the job he throws him in the back of the car this guy's huge there's just this little midget it's a good job it's not Rob Zombie's Halloween. He'd have never fucking picked up. Um, <laughs> he'd have never picked up that Michael. He'd have had fucking no chance. Um, he throws him in the back of the car with Allison because he wants to take him back to Laurie Strode to see what happens. I mean, what the fuck is he actually studying here? I mean, we hear some bullshit about wanting to study evil in the wild, but that's not an academic study. I, I don't think he'd get that peer reviewed. I mean, <laughs> what are you studying, Sardine? Ah, uh, just evil. 
you know, out and about. Had to kill a few bitches. Totally worth it. What a cock nugget. What a fucking, what a douche. But um, alas, to say he's a doctor, he's also pretty fucking stupid. Because he says to Alison, I've never heard him speak. And she's like, I heard him. And he's like, for real? And she's like, yeah. He's like, stop the car and let me out. And I'll totally fucking tell you what he said. And he's like, word? All right. So he stops the car and he fucking believes her. That is until Michael wakes the fuck up and murders the prick just by smashing him through the uh, through the police um, fucking separator. In yeah, the, car. the divider. Yeah, and then gets him out of the car. Fucking great foot stomps to the head. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a bit of a throwback as well, isn't it, to the the last, you know, so so like to well to Halloween one, the Rob Zombie one, where they literally gets fucking fucking stood on and head smashed to pieces uh but i i felt that was a nice fitting end for that character i think damo might have gone The way that it's frozen just kind of makes him look like he's just come, just come face. We haven't just lost all that, have we? No, no. Still going. Thank fuck. Um, right. So we're going from... <laughs> right. We're going from also to say the doctor. He's pretty fucking stupid, yeah? Can I leave the bit in about the fact that where you are, your face actually frozen like your cum face? Yeah, feel free. Yours yours did too, <laughs> to be fair. Um, See, my, mine stayed connected all the way through on this end. Yeah, mine did. How weird. I just come out of it and went back in because it weren't. I couldn't see you. Oh well. Um, do you want to? Um, so we'll go from. We'll go from also to say he's a doctor and he's pretty fucking stupid, and then you can say, "Oh, could you tell we had technical issues?" If you want to say anything there, then go into. No, it's all right. Don't worry. I can cut that out. Okay. Right. So three, two, one. Also. To say he's a doctor is pretty fucking stupid. I mean, he says to Alison, I have never heard him speak. And she's like, dude, he spoke to me. Like, he's just spoke now. Honestly, just now. Stop the car. Let me out. And I'll tell you. He's like, word. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, it's truth. Truth, bro. Truth. And he fucking believes it. I mean, that is until Michael wakes up and just murders the prick. It boots him through the uh, divider. Drags him out of the car and then you get a great foot stomp to the head. You know I love a foot stomp to the head. Oh, yeah. It's like a little throwback, isn't it, to, to like the first Rob Zombie movie for Halloween 1. Yeah. Um, second, second where movie. He, 
was it the second one? Yeah, second. where he literally like caves his face in, and yeah, it, it's quite good. You actually see it. It's it's good. It's nice. I it's prefer this one I, because this is better. There's no grunting like you get in the second movie where he's not. I don't think he's even wearing his mask, is he? In the second Rob Zombie movie, no, he, he's skill. not. But but also as well, you kind of you don't like this character that he's actually caved the head in off. So you know, you've you've already built up this tension that this is a prick. Yeah, he meets his end. Boom. Yeah, exactly. You're, Which, you're a bit rooting for him and thinking, well deserved. Yeah, true. Luckily, this gives Alison the chance to escape. And seeing as the doctor was already on his way to Laurie's anyway, she hasn't got that far to go to reach the fortress. While she's being carted off, Laurie and Karen are playing home alone with a stockpile of guns. And this house is fucking jacked. It's like revolving <laughs> kitchen counters, mannequins in the rooms, diversions floodlights in the yard she's been fucking prepped for this which makes it all the more stupid when laurie realizes michael's here because she tells karen to go hide which she does so good move so far tactics laurie spot on then all these years of trading prepping learning guns tactics (laughs) she leans against the inside of the door with glass panels Enabling Michael to just fucking smash through and grab her, nearly killing her right then. I mean, she fights him off, but I mean, come on, if she wasn't a main character, he'd have fucking ended her right then and there. Oh, which too too right. I mean, it was a it was pretty much traditional tactic, wasn't it? You know, the, the smash, the grab, the lift up. So there was a lot of tradition. Yeah, but she's Rambo. She's not movie, meant but, to fall. Yeah, yeah she, she's she's not meant to be that fucking stupid. But she is at this point. And I mean, when you say it's jacked, I mean, we've seen semi-automatic weapons. We've seen semi-machine guns. We've seen fucking badass crossbows. That place was prepped for the zombie apocalypse. That was right out of the fucking Walking Dead (laughs) was what she's literally prepped for. Or, you know, I am legend with the fucking lights to blind the zombies and stuff like that, that she she got out there. But you're right to literally lean against the one stupid wall that she she had this was a point where i started to go hang on a minute this is going a bit downhill this i don't like this this is yeah what the fuck's happening but ray gets killed in the yard because he finds the comic relief cops from early that i didn't mention because we literally added nothing and existed just to die <laughs> they had a bit of back and forth about some lunch i think that they might have been a throwback to the you know the stupid cops in halloween yeah, five yeah. Like if if it was, what a weird thing to throw back to. One of the worst things in the entire series, those fucking two numbnuts from Halloween Five who died <laughs> off camera. Much like these guys. But the climax is pretty good. Michael chases Laurie through the house. She bites his fingers off when she's he's grabbing her through the door. They no, fight. She gets she gets scrappy. Yes, yeah, she, she does. gets full on scrappy. She she, she likes also, a bit of biting. She also gets knocked off the balcony and in a really cool twist, because this time Michael looks down and it's Laurie that's disappeared, yeah. which I thought so, was yeah. very cool. Very, very cool. It's like, you know, it's obviously the other way around. So having Laurie disappear, it's like who's hunting who? And it's kind yeah. of, it's an equal match. And Alison makes it back and hides with Karen until Michael figures out where they are. And then it's Karen's turn to be a little bit badass because she fakes being a wuss, crying that saying she can't shoot him. Um, but you know, so Michael's hearing this and thinks score. So goes down <laughs> ready to kill her. And then she's like, gotcha. And shoots him. I mean, she only wings him. So fucking, it's a bit of a wasted opportunity with all the training that she's at, but it's still a kind of cool moment. 
Laurie pops back up, chops the shit out of him. They have like a knife fight. And then Alison like kind of give it, gives him a right boot to Ed and sends him down into the cellar. And it's really kind of cool to see those three generations like beating the shit out of Michael. But the yeah, cellar... She, she like, yeah. stabs him a bit as well, doesn't she? Yes, yeah, she does to the ladder yeah. and... Yeah. The cellar, turns out, is not a panic room, but a cage. Because when Michael's in trap. there... It's a trap. Yeah, it's like a saw trap. She presses the button and these bars fly out. And then we found out that the whole fucking house was rigged to be one giant oven because Laurie turns on all the gas taps and sets the place alight. And Michael stands there, like, not phased in the slightest. I mean, why would he be? He's probably read ahead in the script and realised that this is part one of a trilogy. So he knows he's not fucking dead yet. He's also literally gone, hang on a minute. I've fucking been through this before. This fucking happened yeah. at the end, you know, in Halloween two or whatever it was which didn't happen which didn't happen yeah it it didn't but he's probably stuck there thinking well you know i've got to forget all that shit as well yeah true yeah exactly there's a multiverse version of halloween (laughs) uh, um, yeah also i know he's kind of supernatural but he's very much at their mercy like behind those bars and they're loaded to the teeth i mean just shoot him repeatedly until he's dead and then set him on fire if you really need to (laughs) like they've got shotguns long range rifles and handguns there but no they don't shoot him they leave him to burn and then run off escaping into the back of the pickup truck and that's where the movie ends and you know it's day and night to the last movie that we watched in the franchise you can see john carpenter's fingerprints all over this movie, especially if you've seen a lot of his films, like like I have. I mean, I, I would I would probably hazard a guess and say that even to you, that's probably only seen the first Halloween as part of a John Carpenter yeah. um, amount of movies that you, you can see his influence all over it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it feels like a, a genuine sequel to the original movie, not something that we just threw together like Halloween two, the original, or four, five, and six, which is a bit of a cash grab. What are your thoughts on it? You know, give us your thoughts, give us your rating. Let, let us know what you thought about this movie. Uh, yes, I, it, this is a bit of a mix for me. Uh, and, you know, it's actually a very, very good movie. There's a lot of positives for it. And I think you summed it up right there with the fact that there are John Carpenter's fingerprints all over this. This is very much the movie that should have been Halloween 2. This should have been the, the sequel to that original one. And when you take those films independently and totally ignore the massive dog shit pile that's in in between it these are you know they're two very good movies that you know they're yin and yang they go together really really well there's a very few good easter eggs a good few throwbacks to some of the previous movies a couple that we haven't talked about such as when the kids are running through the street uh, on halloween you know, trick-or-treating there are the the three masks from halloween three the skull the uh, the pumpkin and the witch as well and they they come into it there's a few little easter eggs in there a few little throwbacks to it there's also a few little things which knocked me off a little bit which didn't really play into my my love of horror so the stupidity came into it a couple of times as well but overall i actually thought this was a, a very positive movie it was a very positive movie in the franchise one of the better ones probably my second favorite uh, out of out of the lot if I'm being honest and in terms of rating I am going to give this a seven out of ten I'm not even going to put a funny little thing on it because I actually quite enjoyed it cool uh, well much like you I really like this movie 
It's pretty much the original movie, but updated for today's audience. The kills are brutal, the body count is high, the suspense is back, and Michael Myers is scary without needing to look like a wrestler. David Gordon Green did a great job as director with the storyline, the pacing of the movie, which is a staple of his filmmaking credentials, really. Also, the biggest difference between the Rob Zombie ones and this one is the quality of the characters. Yet, there's some redundant ones and there's some that only exist to raise the body count, Dave and Oscar being the main two for me. But they didn't go out of the way to make the guys unlikable. Yeah, Oscar was borderline a bit predatory, but I think he'd come across more of as a pathetic loser than he did um, a rapist in training like he would have been made out in the Rob Zombie movies. Vicky got very little screen time, but thanks to a little back and forth with Julian, her death was really meaningful in a way that it created suspense and terror. Um, Laurie's battle with the trauma of her past was handled better than in H2O, in my opinion, with her passing down her issues to Karen and even affecting Alison. But it all comes around, when, especially when she saves them and Karen is prepared at the end of the movie. And th there's some dumb things in here. I didn't like Dr. Sardine. I like you. I, I Despite the fact I saw it coming, I didn't like him as a character. I thought his inclusion was goofy yeah. and his only real purpose was to throw in a few Loomisisms and then to drive Michael near to Laurie Strode for the uh, climax of the movie. Some of the decisions made didn't make a lot of sense, like transferring Michael on Halloween and not shooting the motherfucker until he's dead. That kind of grates on me, but I accept that they are tropes of the genre. But overall, it's a massive return to form for the series, not just following Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, but you know, following a lot of the shit that came out between the first one and this one. I think it's, like you said, it's a perfect companion piece for the original movie. They work really well, especially when watched back-to-back, -back, which I have done before. So for washing the bad taste of Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 out of my mouth and really making Michael scary again, this gets a 7 burning Michael Myers out of 10. Not perfect, but definitely way up there with the best in the series. And with that, Tris, with that, we move on to the last Halloween movie in the franchise until Halloween now, comes out. But now. In, yeah, in October 2022. Um, but Halloween Kills released just two months ago. And then we're done. We're, we're on to another movie for another year. And I cannot fucking wait. We need some what the fuck in this podcast. And I have some do, what we, the fuck to deliver to you. Absolutely. We have agreed way, way too much on this. And, and part of the reason why, you know, this, we thought this would work so well is, you know, the fact that generally we don't agree on horror movies <laughs> at all. We've got such a, you know, yes, we do. A, a black and white look of it. But when you look at, Halloween we've actually come quite quite central with a lot of it we've agreed on pretty much the most part even most on this of the ratings well. have been identical yeah, as well they've, they've been identical which is strange considering we like our horror very very different yeah I, I have to be honest I am looking forward to putting Halloween to bed hopefully next week yay Absolutely, unless they suddenly yeah. rush it forward and go yeah. Hang on a minute. We're going to put Halloween ends out on Christmas Day. Yeah, at least um, on Christmas. But yeah, let's let's get this one out of the way. 
let's move on to something where we can actually have some banter, some arguments instead of actually agreeing all the time. Because this is not this is not normal. I don't like this, man. No, this is not good. Either. We're born um, to argue. True. Don't forget to grab us on Twitter, guys, at eBuyGo. This is coming to you live on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all other podcast things, area, places, also YouTube, um, if you want to check us out there. So this is the last one before Christmas. And may I just say, I wish you and all your loved ones the very merriest of Christmases. Tris, would you like to contribute to that? yeah just everybody that's been watching so far thanks so much for you know sort of like joining us on our agreements and our disagreements they're very few that we've had but yeah have a great christmas guys uh, enjoy yourselves with your family and stuff and we will see you very close to the new year where hopefully we can see in some new movies i hope so that's so it fun. catch you on the flip side guys city city later enjoy that christmas <laughs>